Willkommen im Roman Empire Podcast, wo wir über Chelsea und Scheiße über alle anderen reden. Mein, äh, ich heiße Andres und ich werde von meinem Co-Moderator Zach begleitet. Zach, wie geht's? Wow. I don't, I, I don't even know how to say hello in German. That's how bad I am at it. That's very impressive, man. I you, mean, uh, I did a, a little, little bit of Google Translate on a few vocab words, but I just thought, man, our new German manager is undefeated after three matches while nine days in the helm. Figured we would start off today's podcast with a little bit of German flavor. I, I kind of gave a tease last time. Figured we would go all in this time. Wow, you sound like Thomas Tuchel. I do <laughs> say so go. myself. Yeah, isn't that how you pronounce it? Thomas I think that's the real Tuchel. way to do it. Yeah, it's, Tuchel. It's Tuchel. Yeah, it's like a yeah. G. It's like the H for yeah. American, like English. It's like a Tuchel. Like you know, you get your phlegm going a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm uh, I gotta admit, I'm, I'm getting a soft spot for the guy after after uh, pleading my case before we before we uh, got him. <laughs> I'm sort of well, eating my words now. Zach, before before I let you go on this I love Thomas Tuchel rant, for those that didn't understand, this is the Roman Empire podcast where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. There uh, we today go. Always... we are a two-man crew, much like our dual midfield of Kovacic and Jorginho. Som uh, is not able to join us today. So let, Let's tell everyone why. Um, Chelsea beat Spurs earlier today. So, so in Los Angeles, the match was at about noon. Uh, Sam watched the match and then uh, proceeded to get inebriated. So much so that uh, he's currently stranded at his buddy's house because uh, he can't drive. And it's COVID down here. Um, so if nobody's been uh, to L.A. recently, it, it's it's pretty disgusting lately. So. Yeah, no Ubers for Sam. We want him to stay COVID free. So And he's being responsible. So we He's being responsible, but I think we're doing that. Yeah, but I want to applaud the fact that he's celebrating more than the fact that he's being responsible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's you know the commercials always end with drink responsibly. It never says that you can't drink profuse amounts. So good on Sam for doing both. Yeah, yeah, that's very true, but I mean Let's kind of get into this, man, because I love talking shit about Spurs. Um, it's my, it, it, this is my least favorite team. I mean, I think, I think there's only one team that I hate just as much as them, uh, and that's the Boston Celtics, um, <laughs> and maybe the Red Sox. You might, you might throw them in there, but I'm not like that big on baseball. I just kind of like love like the hating Boston. Boston rivalry. Yeah, Boston's a great city. Don't get me wrong, but. I don't like their sports teams. But anyways, they ruined um, Loftus Cheek, so they're dead to me. Yeah, they did fuck <laughs> Loftus Cheek over. That is very true. And it was the fucking Patriots field too. So fuck the Patriots too. Um by the way, uh I probably pissed off a lot of people, man. But I mean Super Bowl's coming up. Um so I guess that's kind of relevant. But anyways, Andres, Chelsea versus Spurs, man. 1-0 to Chelsea. Um Jorginho oh. penalty minus the hop skip. Um, starting lineups, we had Mendy and goal, uh, Dave, Rudy, and Thiago Silva in the back line, a midfield uh, pivot of Jovicic, Alonso and Reese James as our wingbacks, Cho, 
and Mason Mount playing as those inside forwards or inside wingers, however you want to say it, and Timo Werner starting up the middle, at least to start the game. So, I mean, Timo Werner gets a start. That's a big call. Um, we spoke a little bit last week about Reese James and, you know, how we're curious how Tuchel's going to try to get him into the team. He did. He got Reese James into the team. Cho, who's been probably the, his best performer since he became manager, um, and Timo, who really needs his confidence to come back, all slotting into the lineup. I mean, what what are your thoughts in terms of uh, selection? I mean, Chilwell's another huge one. You could kind of look all over the pitch and 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 point some uh, inclusions and exclusions. So, I yeah. mean, what was your gut reaction? Well, first off. This lineup might have been affected by the fact that Zuma and Kai Havertz both picked up a slight knock about 36 hours ago. So two players that could have been in contention in some way or form uh, weren't able to play. I remember when we did our, our match preview, I thought that maybe Kai Havertz could be playing in the central role as a false nine. But again, picked up a small knock, couldn't make it. For me, the first thing that excited me was the fact that we had a right side of Reese James and Hudson Adoy. I, I can't remember the last time we even did that. So the fact that we could get those guys in, as well as Mason Mount, to have a full Chelsea Academy right side was pretty exciting stuff. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in the back line. I mean, three clean sheets in a row now. So I think Kukul is doing the right thing. And then we all knew that Alonso was going to start. He scored last week or last game match, and he loves to score against Tottenham. He didn't today, but the kind of the writing was on the wall for him to get the start. So the one shock for me truly was Timo up front, uh, simply as 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 the fact that he was a, deployed centrally. I know Tuchel. And a, a quote recently of Timo Werner had come out saying that he plays off the striker and that's what he prefers, not so much out in the wing. So I thought, oh, maybe he's coming out with this now because that's where he'll play under Tuchel. And we did see that later on. But for him to be deployed centrally was was the bit was the one honest surprise for me in this lineup. I was happy with the lineup selection initially. I thought. Um... I thought the one thing that stood out to me and that didn't really uh, sit well with me was starting Alonso. I mean, I know he had the goal last match, but besides that, um, he didn't really do much uh, before he scored. So kind of odd to me, uh, considering his his uh, last match, he wasn't um, he didn't put together a full 90 minutes, and he didn't do that necessarily against Spurs. I mean, here's the thing, Andres. The second. <laughs> Throughout the whole entire match in in our Discord, I mean, I'm going off about how, how the left-hand side is basically a black hole. Um, anytime uh, the ball funnels over there, uh, and, and when Tottenham has it, they're basically blowing right past Marcus Alonso. Um, and I pointed that out multiple times, three or four times. And then after the match is up, uh, you guys decide to send me a bunch of graphics about his stats. Um, and guess what? Stats don't necessarily tell the whole story. I mean, look, we didn't concede a goal, Andres, right? But um, he was a clear weakness, especially in the last 15 or 20 minutes. When they were pushing down their right-hand side, our left-hand side, the combination of Bergvine, Lamella, 
um, went on a couple runs, Lamella. I, I don't know. He was on one today. And then um, who was the other guy who was playing on that side? Or Aurier was playing right back. He started yep. pushing forward and, and pushing up towards Alonzo too. So yes, it's not his fault to kind of retort what you were saying earlier in the Discord about, well, Alonzo, it's not his fault he's in a 2v1. Yeah, I know that. But if we had a guy like Ch- like Ben Chilwell there, who's a little bit better at defending spaces and is a little bit more mobile, recovery speed, the ability to keep up with pacier attackers, that, that just helps. He's a natural defender, and that was my point. I think in a match like this, when Alonzo's not really giving you much else besides the odd goal here and there, you gotta you got to go with your more well-rounded footballers in a game like this. And f- and for me, Marcus Alonso is a specialist. I would love if Marcus Alonso started every match against the team in the bottom half of the table. He's perfect well, for it. He's a, he, my, he is the ideal player for it. But against in a big match think, like this, I'm not too big on it. Well, I thought that we know Mourinho was going to sit back for one. Like, that was always going to be the plan, yeah. especially with Harry Kane not being there. So here's my thought on why it was Alonso. You didn't know Thiago Silva was going to get injured. I fully expected Alonso to be the first sub in this match, uh, or at least one of the first subs. And then you bring in Chilwell to, to sure things up. But unfortunately, Thiago pulls this acrobatic save and in the process ends up hurting himself a bit, which then totally changes the game plan. Now, I can't believe I'm defending Alonso here on air on the podcast this season especially, but I don't think Conte came on and had the greatest game of his life. No, he didn't. And, and Conte and was, he pressing was really on the high. left side. Yeah. And he was also, it, it wasn't just the fact that he was on the left side. Jorginho also was dead tired and he probably should have been the guy to come out instead of Kovacic. And, and then in the back line, Christensen, We'll get to him later, but he's no Thiago Silva commanding everyone to get in the right place. So in the last 20 minutes when Tottenham actually decided to press, they were pressing successfully. And you tie that along the fact that we, because of the subs, and and now it was pouring rain, so now these subs also have to get used to a heavy ball, a heavy pitch, and all this. Like I just think everything was going to be against Chelsea those final 20 minutes, and it's their own fault for... Again, something we'll discuss in a bit, which was lack of finishing. So, I mean, lack of finishing. Let's let's kind of talk about Timo then. Um, yes, he didn't get the goal today, but I thought he had a really good performance, man. Especially in those first 15 or 20 minutes, he was probably our best player. Um, there's always that, that line that every single one of your coaches told you when you were growing up. And, and then defense starts from the front. And uh, and I thought Timo was a huge part of that. The initial press from him in those first 15, 20 minutes, like I was saying, was was the reason why we got the penalty, mind you. Um, and it wasn't only that. I noticed that he was also peeling off the back shoulder of Alderweireld and and and, um, and Eric Dyer. And yeah, I mean, we heard Tuchel speak about it. Um, in his post match after Burnley, and he said, you know, uh. Or was it the po- it was either the post match after Burnley or or uh, before the match against uh, against Spurs where he spoke about 
previous manager, a.k.a. Frank, not using Timo's biggest strength, which is his speed. And I feel like the runs he was making uh, and even even the players that uh, Tuchel put around him fit Werner's game and, 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 fit, and fit his game specifically for this match um, until Spurs obviously tweaked things up and then, you know, he obviously got shoved out to the left-hand side. But Andres, you know, he won a penalty. I think he had a great match. For me, if I'm the manager and I'm going into the dressing room, I'm tapping Team on the back and I'm saying, this is, this is a springboard for you because this is a big performance in a big match. What do you think? No, I totally agree. I think he did everything today correct, aside from uh, maybe shooting a step earlier and and one chance in the second half. Yeah. But the runs he was making were fantastic. It just feels like this team still cannot look up and see that run. Time and time again, I see Timo point as he's making those back shoulder runs, and he's or maybe our players don't think they have the confidence to play that ball. Maybe it's all of the above. But again, this isn't, we've talked about it before, this isn't your your Murata situation where the guy's just not even trying and, and he has his head's down. Timo's trying. He's making the runs. He's he's working hard for it. And, and he just can't get the payout. And today you mentioned he earned the penalty. It was kind of a tricky situation because both him and Jorginho have missed penalties and they were both on the pitch at the same time. But he earned it at the end of the day. And that's mm-hmm. a it's a, a cheeky way of doing it. He saw Dyer was on the ground. He was trying to get control of the ball. The moment Dyer nicked his ankle, Timo went down. I mean, it was a foul. And simple enough, you're inside the box, you get hit in the feet, boom, foul. Go down. PK, Jorginho slots it. Werner earned it. That's now probably his like fifth or sixth PK that he's directly earned this season. Third in the league, which is the highest in a Premier League. Well, there you go. So he he made his impact there, and then in the second half, man, uh, to mention Mason Mount's performance, which was above average today. Again, Mason Mount's been great, but the one thing Mason Mount cannot do is find that final ball. Timo, Pulisic, these guys are making the perfect runs for the guy. And two steps too many, three seconds too late, he lets go of the ball, which is the one chance that I thought Werner had to actually score when he was peeling off from the right left. The middle. Pulisic was on the right side. Mount had won the ball. He's driving, and he lets Arie catch up to Timo. So by the time the ball gets to Timo's feet, as he's shooting, Arie is already across his body. So, again – Maybe it's one of those cases where the team is also low on confidence on Timo himself. So it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's it's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. At least that's how players see it, I guess. Like, oh, no, he's not confident. If I give him the ball, he's not going to score. But then if you don't give him the ball, we're not scoring either. So it's like, God, like, let the man score once so that we can praise him for a full performance because he did do well today both centrally and off the left yeah i i was actually really high on this performance one thing that i thought was interesting and i kind of want to talk about it a little bit was uh pulisic um now when he came on uh i think we all kind of thought that he was going to be you know cutting it off of the left or playing on the right definitely not coming up the middle 
But that seemed to be where Tuchel played him. So Timo went out onto the left-hand side, and his game suffered a little bit because of it. But I think Pulisic's game shined a little bit more. Um, picking up fouls, uh, running at defenders. Yes, the final ball was was you know nowhere to be found at times. But overall, I you know coming off the bench in a in a big important match like this at that kind of intensity at 110% speed. Um, I think that's pretty impressive. What do you think? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because in his latest fifth stand Chelsea.com interview speaking about Tuchel, he sort of hints at the fact that Tuchel wants to play him centrally. And I didn't know if I was kind of debating whether he meant, you know, these new in this new formation, whether the wingers are really tens and that's what he meant or whether he meant to actually be deployed as a false nine. And it was a smart decision by Tuchel to deploy him there because in the second half, it, it was kind of a tale of two cities for for Tottenham. In the first half, they looked disinterested at all in winning the ball. And then in the second half, they were trying to do a little bit of a press. So you add a shifty dribbler to the equation when they're desperate to get the ball. And like you said, within 20 seconds, Timo – or not Timo, excuse me, Christian Pulisic goes on two different runs, and I believe Spurs get a yellow card in the first one, which then keeps Hoiberg from doing what he does best because he's nervous now that if he steps into a tackle, he can get a second yellow. So, again, fantastic on the ball by Pulisic. His dribbling is – we always talk about Hazard-esque at times. It's just now, just like Mount, my one critique is – that last execution, whether it's a final ball or or taking the shot when he can, we're missing that one thing. And I think that's just honestly the theme for this team is is that final ball is just not there. Um, I don't we'll think get... we're incapable of it because no, no, it's, it's because last season it's lack of confidence. I just think it's a lack yeah. of confidence. Nobody is 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 fully right in their head. Therefore, something that they're so that should be so easy for these professionals is almost they're having this battle in their head of whether they should do it or not. That's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm just saying that because he's only gotten, what, two assists in in the season, or or he got his first one recently, one of the two, that these guys are just overthinking some of the things that are instinctive to them. Yeah, and I think I, I think if you have a goal scorer on the pitch that's in form and prolific, like a Diego Costa type player, that's someone that's already on like thirteen or fourteen goals, it kinda eases the burden for the rest of those guys and they're sort of free to do their thing. And sort of and, and you know what? They're actually able to play within their game, and I feel like that's something that we didn't do in the last two or three weeks with Frank in charge. Those players were trying to play out of their skin all the time. Um and, and, and they were over improvising everything um where this seems to have a lot of structure but the players are also able to express themselves while using their best skills just like Werner did um just like Cho playing as a right wing back I mean one of our fastest players and one of our best crossers why not stick him out there um Jorginho and Kovacic in the middle uh, playing as the pivot um it it's different from Frank in the sense that you know, you see the product that Tuchel is putting out on the pitch, and it just – you get it. You could see what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and for the last month or so, you sort of lost the vision under Frank. But anyways, that's enough of talking about the past. 
I want to talk about Jovicic. Um, Let's do it. So I, I, I'm just going to read off some combined stats because, you know, they're pretty interesting. 133 of 149 passes completed, five out of nine long balls completed, and they were fouled eight times total, four times each. Um, if you watched a match, you know that they completely controlled the tempo. They looked in control the entire time. Um, yes, there was a couple moments where Spurs probably could have equalized. Um, and um, that's just how you know the game ebbed and flowed. But in general... I thought this was a really commanding performance from them too. And I think, uh, and this is such a weird Twitter handle. Uh, I'm going to call Michael out here because I think, I think he needs a new, uh, a new Twitter handle, but at Michael, and then it's a bunch of numbers. I think we officially have to say that in the right system, Kovacic or Jorginho plain works. I think he's spot on with that. Um, I think it's enough talk about, Oh, they can't play as a pivot together. Well, I think they can. It depends on the, the the philosophy of football they're playing and the style of football that they're trying to play. If you're trying to play this high press, uh, quick tempo, fast build up football like Frank was, um, you're definitely gonna you're gonna suffer um, in terms of your midfielders. You got to have guys that are mobile and can get about the pitch and win those second balls. Jorginho is not a second ball kind of guy. <laughs> That's just not him. Um, so I think with this system, Andres, what I'm noticing is the press is really only coming from the front three and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's only coming from the wing backs if it's, if it's realistic. I, I, I think that's sort of a, he kind of leaves the wing backs to decide when, when, and when not to press. But I think if it's up to him, he probably has them stay back. But more importantly, I think what Kovacic and Jorginho are doing differently here is when the initial press is broken, they're not stepping in to try right. and stop the ball. What they're doing is they're holding their ground and keeping the play in front of them. And what that's allowing is the wing backs to track back as well as the forward players. So we got more bodies behind the ball. In all of those nervy moments against Spurs, Andres, you looked around and you saw at least nine blue shirts. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, and and to to put what you said into simpler terms, the front three are pressing, the next four are containing, and then the final three are waiting for the attempted long ball. And that's simply what it is. You get the press from the initial front three. If they break that initial pass, you usually see that next four on the back of whatever midfield players are there. And if the ball gets to them, they have no time to turn around. Or the back line for the other team gets pressed high by the front three. They try to launch it, and Rudiger, Thiago, and Aspie are just ready for any long ball, and they win them like 95% of the time. So yeah, it, I don't know if it's that we're now not pressing. It's more, like you said, I think it's just not tactically naive way of pressing. You know yeah. what you have in your pre- players. You mentioned it. You're not going to ask Jorginho to dart 15 yards forward and expect him to get there before a pass. On the contrary, you're having him absorb a forced pass and you have a decent passer immediately ready to flip it on the other team and counter. We are legitimately just a one goal fest away from unleashing this attack. Honestly, you, you, we created, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I actually texted, uh, I was texting Dan Silver during the match today. Whenever we play Spurs, I always 
think of him because you know he, he hooked me up for the first you know for going to my first game but um he he mentioned the same thing how how we're you know really close to breaking and i told him well you better pop out the beers because sheffield's uh, on sunday yeah perfect situation to just absolutely demoralize a team which is what i think we're due for and the best part andres is if we don't do it against sheffield it's going to happen against barnsley Right. I mean, it's going to happen soon. I just want it to happen so that it, you know, we're doing everything right at this point. We're, we've kept three clean sheets. We've had, I believe now, something like 50-something chances created in three matches. And we just now need to put them away. The fact that we only had two shots on target is, is sad. Our, our, our XP in this match was something like 2.25. And the fact that we scored a penalty gives you a one out of those 2.25. So in reality, an open play was just 1.25. That's not good enough. Not good enough for what we're putting out there. We this this Spurs team was there for the taking, and it starts with the setup. Jorginho and Kovacic were fantastic. Uh, Kovacic led like you talked about how they dominated the midfield in the first half. These guys were spinning off of these defenders. It would be it was one ridiculous. pass into midfield. Jorginho completed Dombele, four dribbles. Sissoko, and and I don't remember who this, their other midfielder was at the beginning, but these guys were getting completely spun and left in the dust. We know Kovacic has that in his arsenal, but Jorginho with a simple body feint of, oh, I'm going to pass it backwards and then letting the ball slide it's, it's, was getting past defenders. And for, for me, it's it's more that calmness with Jorginho when he receives the ball, even even if someone's two or three feet away from him pressing, he maintains that composure and that calmness on the ball. And, and, and Andres, you know, when you have that kind of guy on the field, it relaxes everybody around you. It just kind of takes the extra edge off. You know, it's a high intensity game. It's a rivalry match. It's pouring. The weather's shitty. It's a one goal match. It could really swing either way. But just having a guy in the middle of the field who even though he might not be physically you know, uh, capable of keeping up with the other 21 guys on the pitch, he's still able to, to probably be, what, the best, if not one of the best players on the field on a day. And I'm just going to read out a stat to, to, to round off your point here um, in terms of our you know, expected goals. We had 18 total shots in this game compared to Tottenham's seven. And we had the same amount of shots on target with two. Seven of our shots went off target, and nine of our shots were blocked. And get this, 14 of those shots were inside of the box. So I don't care. I think if we're taking double-digit shots inside the box, we need to see at least, what, two or three goals? And I don't think that's unreasonable. I know teams are going to block shots, and I know they were, you know, it wasn't just a bus. It was a double-decker. But that doesn't – for me, that doesn't really cut it. When you watch the game, the chances that could have been um, are, is, is what I think the team needs to focus on. And, and, and you touched on it, maybe making that pass a step or two earlier, taking the shot first time, you know, taking one too many touches, things like that we got to refine on. And, and, and I think that all comes down to timing. Um I thought that was something Frank would really like nail down with this team because he was just so fucking good at it throughout his whole career. 
Um, but maybe Tuchel could get that out of the boys now. Um, you know, it's just about the timing in front of goal. And Andres, I'm going to throw a name out there, okay, um, that might solve our goal-scoring problems. Our only proven goal scorer, Tammy Abraham. Does he have a chance under Tuchel? I mean, we talked about it last week, but a big game this week, I think some of those opportunities could have been taken a little bit more clinically. Does a guy like Tammy Abraham, maybe even coming on as a sub, let's say Tiago doesn't get injured, um, if Tuchel really wanted to pursue that second goal, can Tammy get that for us? I mean, Tammy's our highest scorer of the season. Yeah. Just one bad game doesn't doesn't make him well, now a bad player well, I'm, I'm asking you this partly to be facetious and partly to <laughs> shut half a football twitter up because they, they they blew up after last match and you know me i'm team tammy i don't need to plead my yep. case for tammy abraham being our best goal scorer because the proof is in the pudding last season and this season so i mean but 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 i, I guess what i'm trying to say is under tuchel you know he likes to switch things up up top and a big reason why i think tammy has a future here is because of the different looks that Tuchel likes to show in different matches. And I just think there's going to be a lot of times where he's going to call upon Tammy and be like, look, a lot of this game is going to be in the air today. You're perfect for that. Or we're going to need a lot of hold-up uh, hold play today. We're going to have Timo running off of you instead of playing up the middle. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for doing that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's just a matter of adjusting to the play style, and yeah. Tammy needs to – to learn that, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a matter of, of months. I think it's just a matter of, of weeks, maybe, tops. And again, Tammy finds a way to score. That's why he's been so successful for us, whether it's ugly, whether it's pretty. He gets the ball in the back of the net, and that's just what we need right now. Just whether it's Tammy, whether it's Giroud, whether it's Werner, just somebody please. <laughs> somebody yeah. please score because Kovacic had a run where he – dribbled all the way into the box and couldn't hit the frame it was so yeah that was bad all oh, he had to man. do was kick it straight it, yeah and he, he side-footed it, it because he got nervous so he sandwiched between two players he could have also outside the foot passed it to Pulisic who was all alone it was just one of those things where our counter-attacking that's the one complaint I had today. Our counterattacking is abysmal. Our, our decision-making with our passes in the final third is yeah. just not good enough. We don't have that Sesk-style player who knows how to thread. I, we do, excuse me. Ziyech wasn't on the pitch. How about that? I'll say that. Yeah. Ziyech was not there to see those passes that you put in between two players, split them, and you see you can foresee your own runner getting there because they were, oh, man, they were begging for it again. The Tiago injury really limited us into what could have been in the second half, I believe. I think I think Ziyech has that timing that we're talking about. And another guy yeah. I think that, that, that has that timing too is, is Billy Gilmore. Um, yes. Someone who we kept, we didn't mention it on the podcast last time around, but someone who we opted to keep. Uh, through the transfer window, I know uh, Frank kind of, you know, hinted at the fact that he might go. Tuchel wants him to stay. He likes what he sees. So that might be a guy that could find that ball um, as well. But just to kind of finish the Jorginho and uh, and Kovacic, uh, actually sort of the more attacking players, um, is are they a mainstay, Andres? Jorginho and Kovacic? Yes. I mean, yeah, right now they are. I yeah. I don't see 
I mean, we're playing Sheffield. Why would we change that right now? They're maybe again, maybe you want to give them a quick break because this was a tougher match because of the end. But I don't see why. I don't see why. Why? I don't see the need for Conte if we're going to deploy three at the back next week, next this weekend against Sheffield. I don't expect Sheffield to come out and, and try to press us by any means. So, yeah, I'd keep them in there. Maybe you slot like like for like subs. So maybe you have a mountain Billy there just because you want to give these two guys a break. But I wouldn't change to a midfield three, especially this weekend when we know the other team is not going to be even interested in getting into our half of the pitch. All right. I want to move on to the defense, man. Um, let's talk about Thiago Silva's injury. 36 minute goes down. I mean, before that, he was having an absolutely ridiculous game. Um, I was actually in the middle of writing a tweet about how good of a game he was having when he went down. Um, so it looks like if it's muscular, which it most likely is, it's probably going to be a couple weeks, maybe longer. Um, worst case scenario, hopefully not. So Tuchel calls on Andreas Christensen because Kurt Zuma's out. Um, he replaces Thiago in the middle of that, in the middle of the back three. Completes 44 of his 48 passes, one of three long balls completed. And here's the interesting stat, Andres. This is compared to Thiago Silva's two for five completed long balls in 36 minutes. Um, Christensen played what, like 54? That makes 90, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so a little drop off there. And I think we did see a drop off in our tempo as well. Um, and, and Tuchel spoke about it after the match as well. I always listen to the post and pre-match press conferences and I always reference them on this podcast. But if, if for those of you, if you don't listen to them, you need to. They're, you'll just educate yourself so much listening to this guy talk about the game. But he talked about... Um, getting out of danger and he said sometimes the out ball wasn't there and he felt like in the first half the out ball was there because we were more willing to play the ball over the top into space um and we were trusting our players to keep the ball on their half of the pitch when we would play those long balls but when christensen came on even with the eye test i noticed that there was a drop off in terms of the distribution it was a lot more side to side we saw rudy and aspi making those risky passes more as opposed to uh, Christensen. And this is the confusing thing for me, Andres. Andreas Christensen pre-Barcelona in the Champions League probably doesn't ping as many long balls as Thiago Silva, but he definitely tries them. I mean, he looks like he looked like a calm, composed player. I mean, his distribution's really, really good. He played some CDM for Denmark. I mean, he's comfortable playing there. So is it a matter of uh, confidence being an issue for Christensen, or do you think that's more a play style thing that, you know, the long ball sort of got eliminated? I know Thiago is is, is one of the best at that, but uh, it definitely has to be in Christensen's arsenal. I mean, we've seen him play some some pretty impressive passes before, No. Yeah, that was like three years ago. <laughs> I, man, honestly, the moment Tiago went down, my blood, my blood pressure went up. I, I was nervous the whole time. You're, you're right. The, the passing was just not as there, not there. 
again, you can blame the fact that it was pouring down rain. The ball is heavy. But by the second half, it, it should have been fixed in, in Christensen's part. If you don't have the long ball, don't try it. Just keep the ball moving. But it's a pass with not enough strength to another center back. Uh, just little things like that Yeah. are, are Taking not an extra good touch. Yeah, exactly. Just in this style, and, and, and which is why Jorginho and Kovacic do so well, you have to be moving the ball frequently because that's how then we create the counterattacking opportunities. And if you're going to let the other team come and get right in your face with three at the back, you're going to concede that way. And Spurs, especially with Son on the pitch, you need just one good chance and they could make us drop two points. And so the stats are nice. Like you, you mentioned earlier that, oh, Marcos Alonso's stats were good, but he didn't do anything great. Well, then here, same thing with Christensen. These are pretty mm-hmm. stats, but I did not feel confident one bit. He He's still not aggressive or physical enough for me as a center back. And, and again, yes, Spurs in the second half pressed and it changed it up a bit, but Jorginho and Kovacic were placed perfectly in that midfield every time the ball was in the back three and he would just miss them. He would prefer to go sideways. And, mm-hmm. and that's just not inspiring to me at all. I believe that even Kurt Zuma would have found those passes. And that's not a guy that we ever talk about having this incredible vision. The, the lack of confidence remains with Christensen. Mm-hmm. in him within himself and by the fans, because I don't think I'm alone in saying that the moment he came in, you immediately get a little nervy. It's just like seeing Kepa on the team sheet. It's just like, yeah. uh-oh. Yeah, no, I, I got that feeling when he was coming in too, but, but here's the thing, Andres. Um, he has to play now because as far as we know, Zuma's still injured. Um, and Tiago Silva looks like it's going to be it might be a long one. So if he does play, I think Tuchel can restore some confidence in him. I really think he can. Um one because we're not necessarily a team in so-called crisis anymore. I think the pressure is a little bit eased up on him now in terms of giving, you know, world-class performance right off the bat. You got to give him benefit of the doubt too. He's coming off the bench in a London derby against Spurs 30 something minute. The weather was absolute dog shit. Um, so, you know, all those factors included as well, you got to kind of, you know, give them some sort of benefit of the doubt. But I think at the end of the day, there is going to be an improvement when we play Sheffield in, in terms of the ball movement. Um, they're going to give us just as much space as Spurs did. Um, and I think we're going to notice a little difference in that. You know, Tuchel's going to sit down and, and, and he's going to point out to Christensen when and where he could play passes sooner what passes he is or isn't seeing, um, and and he's going to sort of iron out the kinks. But I definitely think there's still going to be, even if Christensen does regain some of that form that he had pre-Barcelona, there's still going to be a drop-off in quality with Thiago Silva. Some of the interceptions he made before he got fouled or before he got injured were just... it's with, With him, it's an art form. The way he... The way he commands the area around him and the way he judges the pattern and the flight of the ball, I mean, it's just so beautiful to watch. For someone that old and and, and someone whose physical abilities have kind of dwindled, you know, to the point where his lateral movement's basically non-existent, for him to be that 
good still is is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's. I think he's the reason I feel comfortable with the Jovic midfield. Yeah, Com- me too. You think? I think. Oh, they lose the ball. He knows how to send out whether it's Rudiger or Aspie to to clean house. So, yeah, it's. I'm hoping. I believe that uh, after the match, Tuchel said it's. It might not be bad. So I hope that's the case. I, I don't think he should play against Sheffield. I think that he gets the extra break. Rest him but, for the Champions League, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, we definitely need him against Atletico Madrid. So I think he'll just get a quick rest, which it sounds like Tuchel's not against giving that to players, as we found out that that's why Ziyech didn't play against uh, Burnley. So Yeah. Well, um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Reese James. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think the proof was in the pudding in terms of the performance. And uh, and, and, and Reese spoke about it before. I think it was last year um, when he said, you know, me and Callum have been playing on the same flank as each other for a while. You know, we have that familiarity with each other. I think this game, especially in the first half, it showed. And I just want to say something quick about Reese specifically. His first touch... His control is world-class. Don't at me, Andres. Like, <laughs> nobody nobody can nobody can convince me otherwise. The way he takes the ball off of his chest or the top of his foot when it's switched to him is just a thing of beauty. And, you know, here's another guy who isn't blessed with, you know, that initial quick three- or five-yard burst speed. You know, yeah, straight line, he's pretty fast. But, you know, he doesn't have that... that insane athletic ability that some other modern fullbacks do now but he has such a good first touch and such a good feel for when to release the ball um that makes him basically press resistant i mean he controls it like a winger it's pretty ridiculous so is he gonna stay on the right side did he stake his claim because you know, as good as Cho was there, you look at the performance today from Reese James and you're like, wow, he's – and this is a guy who could cross the ball just as well as Cho. And someone who – his technique is probably just as good, if not better, um, in terms of striking the ball. Is that something uh, we can see? Or do you think it's going to be a mixture of, of, of the two? So so for me, it's, it's one of those things where I think he was deployed in the right side to balance out Alonzo's lack of defensive ability on the other side. So – it's it's one of those things that we're going to play wingbacks. If Chilwell's on the left, then I want Cho on the right. And then if Alonzo's on the left, then I feel better with Reese on the right. Because as we talked about in the, I think it was the Wolves match, sometimes the back three shifts into a back four defensively. And, you know, this time around, maybe Rudiger was the one sliding over to the left side and, and Reese would tuck in. In, in light of letting Alonzo not defend, per se. So yeah. I I didn't – I don't know if it's because our, our forwards just weren't there, but sometimes it can feel like Reese blindly crosses the ball. They're still fantastic crosses. They're where they're supposed to be. But sometimes I think that what's the point of a cross to an empty box? Um, the thing is we, we don't have any front post or far post runners in this match. None. Not one. 
I didn't see like there were a lot of there were a lot of diagonal runs that I saw, um, especially in transition that got missed or that got played a little bit too late. But I did not see one near post or far post run all match where I was like, damn, we missed that. Not one, not a single one. And I think that 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 ties in with the with the whole timing argument that I was making a little bit earlier. Yeah. No, um, and, and again, I, I think, you know, there's going to be we're we're eventually going to see another formation. I think right now the three, four, two, one is is the most solid defensively because we have had this back three before add Tiago to the equation to make it a little stronger because it's not David Luis. But, you know, at one point in time, Rudiger, David Luis and Aspie were the top back line in the Premier League. So you mentioned, what's the saying? You said the proof is in the pudding sort of thing. You get this new manager. He's trying to solidify that defense. It works. Uh, but I, I think that when Tuchel gets kind of his philosophy down and, and we can be a little bit more expansive and open, we'll go back to the back four and Reese James will look even better. I think he was solid today. Uh, and again, a little bit of, of the difference between him and Callum at right wing back is that Callum can go from zero to 100 and just start dribbling on his own up, up the field as to where Reese can be a little bit more passive in that sense. So, yeah. so again, Reese James was solid. I, I, I think he just didn't take maybe enough risks. In a, in a game that was so looking for that, I guess. I, again, I just feel like I was missing that that cutting-edge pass or that that sneaky through ball or... Well, I don't you know, think the space was necessarily there for that, for or, him at or, times. But, but even, but even the, the thought that he could take a shot. The last yeah. time we saw him do that, who did he score the banger Brighton. against? Right in the way. Yeah, the, it was week one of the season. Yeah. It's there. He has the shot. And there was times where he found himself inside, right outside the box where he could have done it. But again, it's a little bit of like, oh, it's a new manager. I'm going to keep it clean and safe. And I just won't, I don't want the players to do that anymore. Even if you are the young academy guys, you've proved your, your worth last season. Yeah. You're no longer the outside looking in players. You are established starters for Chelsea Football Club. Own it. Like that's. Yeah. That's the swagger I want to see from the the. the I think you're being the, a little harsh, <laughs> honestly, man. Look, I I I, I don't think I, I'm not half as down on their performance as you are. I think the service was there again. It was just the complete lack of 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 having a natural right. goal scorer out there really hurt us. And that's see, what I'm saying. If you, Tammy you plays in this game, he, maybe he doesn't get a goal, but he attacks every single one of those crosses, whether he misses it or not. He's still making an attempt. I didn't see anyone within five feet of any of those crosses. There was right, one so, play so specifically in the first half where where I think Reese crossed the ball to the uh, across the pitch to the left. It, it missed. It went across the whole box, and then the left hand side swung it back. It went across the whole box again, and then we decided to do another cross. It was like, it was like, look. It, but but I I see your frustration. It's, just don't get me wrong. It was a seven out of ten. It was a good performance. It's yeah. just one of those things like. With a little bit more experience, you know, to instead of cross it early into that wide space, go to the byline and then cut it back. Change your like, angle. Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 take that extra touch to to allow those guys that don't get into the front post to me, maybe sneak into the box and you pass it back. The one time I saw him try it was to Alonzo, and unfortunately Alonzo is one footed, so his volley missed the mark. But that's the one time where I saw him not just blindly again. 
he drops peaches. The per the the courthouses are where they should be, but that was the one time I saw him pick up his head and find Alonzo at the top of the box. It's like, man, I want to see a little bit more of that. Like, cause I again, I thought a lot of our players dropped seven eights out of ten. And and I'm being nitpicky because I just think that we could have murdered Spurs. This I could have been the match where we could have like the, the opening of the floodgates could have been today. And so I'm just I, I'm not exactly complaining. I just saw it. It was within reach. And I was just like, man, against Spurs, it would have done so much more for this team than against Sheffield. And that's why I'm like, it was good, but because man, we were just so close from dropping three, four goals on this team. That's all. I still think it's a little harsh. But anyways, um, let's move on to our Twitter questions. Um, first one comes from our boy and uh, and Rep Ultra at Kirill's Medvedev. Um, he asked, should we be worried about the lack of output from our attacking players? So I know we I know we talked about this a little bit. Um, Andres, I want to give this a scale to ten. Um, how worried are you about the lack of goals from specifically our attackers? Let's say wingers and strikers. Five out of ten. This, I'm five. I'm in the middle because I'm I'm, I'm gonna go five. Yeah. I yeah. Think, that, I think the defense is solid. Our defense is solid. We've proven we can squeak out a victory with one goal. We've also yeah. shown that our defenders can pitch in, and again, the. The basis of the chances that we're trying to create are there. The execution is lacking. And again, Tuchel's been here for nine days total, and he's had to play three matches. So you're telling me that he's had maybe four full days of training max? Nah, it's it's early days, and the fact that just the signs are so promising, I'm not ringing the alarms just yet. Yeah, no, me neither. I think, uh, I think again, Tuchel's gonna get that, get that timing just right. Um, next question comes from Commodore Papadopoulos. I'm guessing. <laughs> Here's an educated guess, Andres. It's just a, actually, it's not even. It's just a shot in the dark. It's a random one. I'm guessing this guy's Greek. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Perhaps. Um, he asked. I think we officially have to say that in the right system. Uh, Kovacic and Jorginho playing works. I already said that, didn't I? I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, anyways, uh, double shout out to the Commodore. Um, <laughs> next question comes from uh, Twitter regular at Michael Conan. Do we make top four? And if and if so, who in the current top four misses out? Ooh, That's an interesting okay. one. So I'm gonna pull up. I'm going to pull up a live table here, Andres. I have it right in front of me. The top four of the Premier League right now, Man City, Man United, Leicester, and Liverpool in that order. West Ham yeah. in fifth, Chelsea in sixth. I think, and this is harsh, but I think it'll end up being Leicester. I just, uh, they scored against Fulham without Vardy, but again, missing Vardy is going to be big. Yes, Madison is is playing well, but I don't know. I just I think Liverpool can figure it out. It would be quite the shock if Liverpool go from champions to not making top four. But I think 
if there's a team that could drop out, it could be Leicester. Something about United in this in the Premier League versus United in a cup competition. They're just figuring it out. And and Man City's not losing first place anymore. I Yeah, they're gonna win. The it was a matter of time. Like I knew that Pep was gonna come into the season and punch people in the mouth. And that's what they've done the last thirteen matches. I I don't see anybody else winning this league. So lock in Man City. Man, maybe Man United can drop to third place, but I don't know. It's I, I find myself leaning more towards Leicester than Liverpool. Yes, Liverpool are not figuring it out right now, but Liverpool's injury record is atrocious. So the fact that they're still getting results with like their fourth option center backs and their you know Jordan goalkeeper always rotating, like yeah, I think they're, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. So. I have a different take, um, and, and here's my reasoning. I think Man United is going to be the team to drop out. I think I, I think they were a little too hot to trot um, the last couple weeks, and we saw them, you know, a loss and a draw. They picked up a win in our last game, but here's my logic, Andres. You know, Leicester already has their injury problem. They already have Jamie Vardy out, but they got guys like James Madison. Hiannacho scored last match. They got other guys chipping in. When it comes to Manchester United, yes, they did beat Southampton 9-0 last match. But prior to that, you're not really getting production from much else besides Rashford and uh, and and Messi. I mean, Bruno. Um, so here's the thing. What happens when Bruno gets hurt? Do Man United win half their games? <laughs> No. And, and, and this is a guy that's played virtually every single match he's been available for since he got there. Because without without Bruno, Man United is not probably not in the top six. Yeah, and that's I, I, and and that's being light. But then again, Bruno's been healthy, so it's like yeah. It, so it's just yeah. For me, they're one injury away, and I think it's just a matter of time. That's my logic, and and and. and there is a little bit of bias in there because I I hate Man United and I know Ron will be happy to hear that and Ron if you want to sh- if you want your son to hear that let him listen to it I hate Man United um it, it's not too late for him to uh to come to the to come to the dark side and support Chelsea he's still young enough to where we won't judge him um but anyways that kind of wraps up the Twitter questions um you know we do have Sheffield at the weekend um. I was going to do some research for a match preview, but then I realized it, it might just be a complete waste of time. Um, West Ham is dead last in the Premier League. They have 11 Sheffield. points. Sheffield. Sheffield. What did I say? West Ham. West Ham. Like, ah, they're wow. pushing for top four. Wow. No, 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 no. West Ham looks good. Uh, Sheffield is dead last in the league um, with 11 points. Um, and they picked up nine of those, Andres, in the last six matches. So here's the interesting thing. Three wins in their last six for a team that's been suffering. And a team that hasn't changed their style, personnel-wise, they haven't really done much in terms of changes. Um, are they getting back into their rhythm? Is, is this a game we need to be wary of? See, I was going to say that, but they've jinxed themselves. Somebody posted like, oh, Sheffield has not lost a game in February in the Premier League. And it's like, oh, that's just that's just asking for a jinx and a curse. And 
And they're not going to get to play Ampadu because Ampadu is ours. So your right, your left center back isn't going to play, or one of your main options at left center back isn't going to play. So again, you tell me it's Frank Lampard managing us, and I'd say, oh crap! Like Frank has been naive against sides like this. I think, I think we should win. And like we said, I think it's time to let the floodgates open. I think that we can batter them. And that would be the perfect time to do so going into a tougher run of games in mid-February. It's time. Like it, it's again, the volcano has been bubbling. It's time for it to erupt. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see the overlapping fullbacks. That's always like fun for me. You mean the overlapping center backs or, or center backs? Yeah. You know, because I was a center back and just the, Mad respect to all those overlapping center backs out there, man. You guys are ballsy as hell. There's no way I ever would have done that when I played, man. <laughs> I was so old school. Um, but anyways, that does kind of bring us to the end of this week's show. Um, Andres, we didn't give our predictions yet. I mean, what what are you kind of feeling before we uh, sign off here? 3 nil. Damn it, sign me up. I'm going. Uh, I'm gonna go four nil. I think. I think the floodgates are gonna open. Um, I'm gonna go Timo Werner double. He's gonna snap the duck. It's gonna be a great God, day at the office. That be nice? No, no, no. Hey, uh, I'm optimistic about this, man. I'm, I'm definitely. I feel good about us. I feel good about us this year, honestly, um, or for the rest of the season at least. The thing is, you know, it's the the way Tuchel speaks and 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 his ideas just completely come across on the pitch it's at least from the fans perspective there seems to be like a really good line of communication between manager and the fans so we know exactly what he's going for um and, and that's the thing i like the most about him and the players seem to love it too their attitude's great but yeah that kind of wraps up this week's show so if you're not following us on twitter make sure you are at romans empire pod we're also available uh to email we've had a couple uh so far we've been learning about our fans dude it's awesome learning about our listeners i don't it's i like i like knowing where you're from how you became chelsea fans let us know that stuff's interesting to us and we'll read it out on the pod so it's uh two birds with one stone um and until next week guys keep the blue flag flying high